Hey everybody, this is Paige Bierman and you are listening to the Redeemed Women podcast. I am so excited for you guys to hear my conversation with Lauren Brooks. Lauren likely does not need an introduction to those of you around Redeemer, but she is um, the wife of Joel Brooks, our lead pastor, and I think probably the longest standing member we have at Redeemer. Um, What I love about this conversation is kind of seeing a little bit of behind the scenes of how Redeemer was started in those early days. It's um, crazy to think that, yeah, Lauren had a baby and came home and church was in her house. So I was like blown away by that. But um, she is one of the most hospitable women I know. And I know so many people have been touched by her hospitality and her churches how it is because of her hospitality. Many of us have walked into her home and um, have felt welcomed. So um, I think you'll probably get the same feeling listening to this podcast. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Lauren Brooks. Hey, everyone. I am really excited because I feel like today who I'm talking to doesn't really need um me to intro her because your name's Lauren Brooks. We all kind of know you. And I can see like the awkwardness come on your face. Like, no. But yay. I'm so excited to talk to you. Our first lady, if you will. Thank you. <laughs> I used to have a sign in the parking lot. I know you did. I was gone. sad when it was removed. I don't know where it went. I know. I, I think that's sad. funny. I know. I loved that sign. I always wonder. I was like, should Lauren for real park here every week? I think it's great. It's hilarious. <laughs> Um, no, but I am really excited for you to talk because I, um, I mean, I've been at Redeemer for six or so years and girl, like, I'm sure people are knocking on your door all the time to talk. Is it? Oh, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> but um, no, I, I'm excited just to hear from your perspective, oh, like yeah. what Redeemer's been like and well, I'm happy to talk about it. One of my life. favorite subjects. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I guess first, let us know just a little bit about you, like where you're from, all of that stuff. So I am from Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up in a a town just north of Atlanta called Alpharetta, and I um, lived there my whole life. I went to the University of Georgia, and then um, Joel and I got married right after we finished college and moved to Birmingham for him to go to Beeson Divinity School at Sanford. So that's what has brought us to Birmingham. Um, and I got a job at Southern Living, which was just a dream come true. And so Birmingham has just been an amazing place for us to be. We've been here almost 25 years now. So it's funny. I've lived here longer than Atlanta. So, wow. Yeah. What was your major? Like, what did you do? Journalism. Let's, okay. So lots of writing, editing. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yep. awesome. Yep, it was. It was. I was a PR so major. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So well, I took all the journalism classes. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so the next question that I usually ask people is, how did you come to Redeemer? And it okay. feels, <laughs> it feels a little silly <laughs> to ask you that question, but I am interested, okay, yeah. um, having gone to a new to Redeemer dinner, like a whole bunch of people at the church, I get to hear a little bit about just kind of big picture where Redeemer came from, but I'd love to hear from you, um, your perspective on like, where did this come from? How did this get started? That's a great question. There's all kinds of 
levels of answers to that. I think probably the simplest way to say it would be um, we we had lived in Crestwood. We've been living in Crestwood for almost 10 years, I guess, at that point, and had just really gotten to know a lot of our neighbors and realized they did not know the Lord and they weren't coming with us um, to the church where we were attending over the mountain. Um, and yet we felt a burden for them. Mm-hmm. And so we tried to think creatively about ways to share the gospel with them. And so we started these things called Advent gatherings in our home um, during the month of December for a couple of years um, where we'd have devotional, like we were very upfront about it. Like mm-hmm. we're like hors d'oeuvres, wine, wassails, we'll sing Christmas carols, uh, Joel lead a devotion. And we were very upfront about what we were doing. And, and people started coming and like really loved it because we really found folks who were not churched really missed being in church, especially during that season. Yeah. I would say because the music and um, and the more we did it, the more we just realized that this is a group of people who really weren't being reached. So we, um, I guess it sort of started out of that. We just got more excited about trying to reach specifically our neighbors. Um, and so we were praying about what God would have us do. And yeah, one day Joel just felt like the Lord was saying, start a church and start in your house. And literally that is what we did. And so, um, we started in March of 2008, which was a crazy time to start anything. And yeah, 2008 yeah. in general, yes. like financial downturn or housing market crash. A lot of uncertainty. We didn't, yeah. I guess, really know it yet. Yeah, maybe it, it hadn't fully hit yet. But for our family in particular, I was, we had, we had two little girls at the time. Um, Caroline was five, Natalie was two, and I was pregnant, like oh eight gosh. months pregnant with Georgia. <laughs> and... So it was, looking back, I think, I wonder what made us choose them. But all I can really say is that we just felt like that was the Holy Spirit leading us. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you hear that voice and leading, you obey. Yeah. So that's all I can say. Um, I know we probably made our parents very nervous. Um, Joel walked away from a, a really great job and a very sure thing, um, a church that we loved and we just felt like we were obeying his call. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a different story than the other people I've interviewed and asked how they got to Redeemer. Um, just a little different. Um, there are so many like themes though, that I already hear in that, like one, which is something we're going to talk about is just hospitality. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even the fact that you talk about Advent gatherings, like that's so foundational um, and the fact that it started in your home and, you know, that's one of Redeemer now that it's obviously a bit bigger than it was when it was in your home. It's still a core conviction is mm-hmm. hospitality. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to hear the beginnings of that, um, where it yeah. started, but also just like I'm thinking about if my husband came in today and was like, I'm going to leave this like stable income job and I'm eight months pregnant with a third child like did you have the thought of like are you crazy or was it like like how (laughs) I like I I guess I'm like interested in like what was initial reaction and then were there like 
I don't like I feel like my initial reaction would be wow are you crazy like look around I'm about to have a baby but then I'm also like who am I to like tell you I I don't know. Like, did you feel any of that? Well, first of all, part of our story, which I didn't tell you, was that we really felt called in the mission field um, initially. Like, when we thought Birmingham was just a pit stop. We thought we were coming here for Joel to go to Beeson Divinity School for three and a half years, get his degree, and then we would go on the mission field. And that's part of the bigger story, which I don't have to get into all that. But um, we were, we had raised, we had been accepted with a mission agency. We were headed to, Ireland to work at Trinity College in Dublin. Mm -hmm. We were going to do college ministry there. And we were so excited about going to an area that was, um, I think it was a 0.4 evangelical rate at that point. I mean, it was just sort of um, post-Christian. Yeah. Um, Even the churches that they do have there were were Catholic, and then the masses were in Latin. Mm. And it was just an area that really needed to hear the gospel. And we were so excited about going and we were um, on our way, literally funds were raised and that was our plan. And then the mission agency kind of changed direction and decided they only wanted nationals, like people from Ireland to do the oh. teaching and preaching, which Joel's not Irish, <laughs> neither am I. And so they, they wanted us to do more of an administrative role. And if you know anything about Joel, he has so uh-huh. many, so many gifts, but that's not one of them. So that door just, we felt like, felt like God was closing it. And so we didn't know where we were going to go or what was going to happen. But we also, though, we thought we there's no way we'd stay in Birmingham because there's so many churches here. We wanted to go somewhere where there weren't, where there's a void, where, they were, where we were needed, where God mm-hmm. needed us, where we thought he needed us. Yeah. And staying in Birmingham was really never part of the plan. But then... God really opened doors for us to stay here. And we did. And we loved it. And so um, that was great. But I think I also always kind of knew we both had that calling on our lives. Mm-hmm. And I knew at any moment God could call us to leave it all and, and head somewhere. And so I've always kind of been prepped and ready for that, I would say. Okay. So it wasn't as strange to me. Yeah. He was... Imagine that God preparing you um, ahead of time <laughs> to go and do something. It's so I um, talked to Catherine Stein about just obviously the last couple of years that she had and some of the ways that God had been preparing her, even like through scripture memory or different mentors she had had and that kind of stuff. Like it's so amazing because once again, like. If my husband walked through the door and was like, I'm quitting this job and I feel called that this is what we're going to do, I'd be like, let's slow down. Like, you know, but once again, like he had been working on both of y'all. And mm-hmm. so I think that's yeah. really cool. Um, it speaks volume about volumes, I think, too, about Joel and his his personality, his work ethic. I really trusted him. Yeah. And I knew if he heard from the Lord, I could trust that. And I also knew he, we wouldn't starve. I know he would. Yeah. He would go work at Home Depot if he needed to. And he would have. Yeah. So. Um, What about that first gathering? The first gathering in your home, had you had Georgia yet? No. So we started in March. So we would take out the furniture, all of the furniture in our dining room, that foyer, that front room that we Mm -hmm. have. The girls call it the dancing room, which is not a ton of furniture anyway. And then 
our living room. So there's three rooms. We took out mm-hmm. all the furniture and put it in the backyard and we oh just set gosh. up folding chairs. I've seen a picture. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and it's... so Joel would kind of stand by the front door where he could sort of see all three rooms. That's where mm-hmm. he preached and like the highness and would set up guitars and play and it was so fun i mean it was it felt almost like grown like um when you're playing grown up when you're a little kid yeah like are we really doing this uh-huh and we really were i mean it was a house church mm-hmm. and every week people came and i would always just be excited and amazed and um so probably we we probably did it for about um maybe six weeks. And then I had Georgia on April 29th. And that was a Tuesday. And she was an emergency C-section. There were some complications when with her birth. And so she's, I had her on Tuesday. I didn't get home from the hospital until Saturday. And I remember, I mean, obviously we had church on Sunday. I just oh remember gosh. sitting on our stairs. You know, she was up, I just sort of hunkered down upstairs and just yeah. stayed upstairs. And people didn't really come up. But I remember just sitting on the stairs, holding her and just listening to the music. And just, it was just so sweet thinking like, I'm still get to be at church, even though mm-hmm. I've just had a baby. So gosh. anyway, it was, it was a crazy time for yeah, sure. I would say, yeah, you had a newborn like. <laughs> and toddler. And toddler. And a five-year-old. But I, honestly, the toddler and five-year-old were probably a little yes. more difficult. Yes. <laughs> and the newborn. But, well, it was, so we did that. Let's see. We did that March, April, May, June. And then in July, a crazy storm came through Birmingham and knocked a tree through our house. Oh my God. I've heard. Yes. And then the same tree landed on Joel's truck and smashed it. So that was a bit of a discouraging time, but we. Could y'all even stay in your house? Did you have to move out? No, we had to move out. We rented the house across the street, which that was awesome that we could do that. So we could be close by as we rebuilt the front of our house. And then we, that's at that point we moved to Girls Inc. Okay. In the neighborhood. Okay. And then, but I was stuck at home because Joel, we had to share a car. So that was a hard season. Mm. Six months, I think we were rebuilding the house and sharing a car. But again, we had insurance. I'm thankful we were able to rebuild. And um, that was a hard season because I think we really thought God was using us as instruments of grace in starting this church to people in our neighborhood. And we were really humbled because also during that time, this is... Joel had a head injury. He, um, it was not so so serious, but it, basically some, a spring on the attic steps broke and hit him in the head and he had to have a lot of stitches. And then I was recovering from a C-section. I broke my foot. Um, we were out of our house. We had to share a car. It was like thing, it just felt very hard. Everything felt hard. Mm-hmm. Three little kids was so hard. Um, and our neighbors those who knew the Lord and who didn't were the ones who really rallied around us and were the first to give to Redeemer and to give to us and support us. And it was very humbling and hard to accept that when we thought we were the ones going in, that God was using us, mm-hmm. like I said, to be instruments of grace to these people. And it turned out that they were that for us. Yeah. And that was it was good for us to learn that lesson of Sometimes we can be resistant to grace and not want it and not yeah. want people to help us. Yeah. And I think that was a really sweet lesson for us. I think, yeah, I've experienced that. I remember um, 
not too long ago when I was pregnant with Anna, she we had some like complications. And I remember, you know, I kind of know how things work now around Redeemer. Like I know like if someone's in need of care or prayer or whatever, kind of the chain that it goes through. And I remember the first Sunday coming to church after receiving her news. And of course, it was like communion, all the songs. Like, I mean, I was just like, waterworks i remember coming downstairs and just like sobbing and of course i run into like jeff heine and he was like he's like one of the best ones but also he was like i don't even know like what do you want me to do in this Mm -hmm. situation you know and i'm just like sobbing and talking i was like i don't want to be the one who has like the elder prayer chain like Mm -hmm. i don't want that and you know and he said basically that like Sometimes you get to be the one that shows grace and that extends mercy. And sometimes you're the one who receives it. Mm-hmm. And like, it's your turn to receive it. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to. But I mean, you it's still a beautiful thing. You don't get to pick. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, though. Yes. That is a church. Um, that's that's a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> were, were, there, were there moments where you're like, is this a sign? Like, where did you have the, like, did y'all have those moments where you're like, is this like, should we turn and go back? I remember someone asking Joel that. They yeah. said, do you think this is the Lord trying to shut you down? Like trying to stop this? Uh-huh. And I remember Joel said, you know, there are no near misses with God. If he wanted us to shut it down, it would be shut down. It'd be shut down. I mean, it's true. It's true. So this, it was just a hard season. Yeah. And, you know, but I will say this. I look back now, and I'm like, oh, how do we get through that? But in the midst of it, we we had joy. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful for that. And it was a sweet season. Even though it was hard, it was, and I, I wouldn't necessarily want to repeat it, but he gave us joy then. And I'm, I am grateful and thankful. And when a lot of things are stripped away from you, you also see what's important and what's really necessary. And that's mm-hmm. really beautiful. So. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess, you know, kind of turning into the next talk or part of our conversation is the hospitality. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we already kind of talked about it. I mean, it literally started, the church started in your house. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, the the deep, the deep roots of hospitality Mm -hmm. and Redeemer are definitely there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, where the church who sets up hot cocoa in a parking deck. You know, like mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's just there. Yeah. Um, but I, I have, I have a belief that in large part that's due to the hospitality that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Joel's great. Joel's real great. All of all of our <laughs> pastors are real great, real great. But I mean, you're kind of you are known for your hospitality a lot of by a lot of people. Mm, um, lots of walks happy. and porch talks and teas mm-hmm, and coffees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, has that been something that's always kind of come more natural to you? Or is it like something that you have wanted to work on and hone and grow and discipline? I would say, I mean, certainly during my adult life, yes. I would, but I will say that something that I think that Joel and I decided when we got married, I mean, that's a, a sort of benchmark time to go Mm -hmm. back to like we we were new to Birmingham we live in this really sketchy apartment (laughs) super sketch um and we 
we borrowed we didn't have enough money for furniture so we borrowed someone's wicker furniture and that's like outdoor furniture and that's what we use for our indoor furniture mm-hmm. but we decided we only thought we were going to be here a few years we were like let's just jump in and invite people over and get to know folks and I think we had to make a decision that if we waited for the right home or the right furniture or the right amount of money to be able to provide the best food or mm-hmm. things a lot of times people wait on before they decide to be hospitable, we, we, we realized early on that we'd never do it. Mm-hmm. So we kind of made that decision. It doesn't have to be perfect. You, you create an atmosphere by the way that you make people feel. And, you know, they may... It might not feel great. You might not want to sit on wicker furniture too long, but <laughs> people but came. the conversation can be yes. good. And it was, the coffee and it was can sweet. be great. Yeah. Yes. And I hope that's, I hope there's a huge difference in hospitality and entertaining. Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I always try to make a distinction between. We are not entertaining people. And when you do that, that feels like you're trying to impress people or, mm-hmm. um, oh, I, I'm not into that. I don't, yeah. I don't want to do that, but. Uh, hospitality can be anywhere and you don't even have to have a home to do it i mean yeah your coffee shop or where you go for going for walks i i laugh and call jemison trail like my office because i love because you love i love going for walks with people and talking and um to me that feels it feels hospitable to share my time Mm -hmm. with somebody or or have them share their time with me and sometimes that's the most precious thing Mm -hmm. it's not like coming in my house Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's Mm -hmm. the time right um and attention yeah and the attention for sure um so how how have you seen have you seen that grow over over time or yes i mean i think like probably with any gift or talent or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it the more you use it the more it grows the more you Mm -hmm. develop it and you kind of get some some systems down i mean i definitely and I've tried to have systems in place so I'm not overwhelmed when we have 20 people coming for dinner. Yeah, which I'll do like every other week because I schedule mm-hmm. them. That's right. Yes, <laughs> which are great. We, I mean, we do. We all have a system and all five of us kind of have our roles that we launch into and we do. And it's um, it just so it doesn't feel overwhelming anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, we might have a day that uh, has been hard with school or child or, or whatever that I have to take a few minutes and really ask God to help me give me especially energy that I need yeah. to be able to pour into more people sometimes that can be a challenge when I've had a hard day or when I just have felt kind of like I don't have it to give and he's always mm-hmm. faithful to before people come mm-hmm. give me what I need and mm-hmm. um which I love because you know you're tempted to look at a list of people coming to a new redeemer dinner and to see names but behind every naming not only is that a child of God but that somebody's daughter or son or brother or sister or a person who's new to town who is terrified if they're coming by themselves to this person's house mm-hmm. that they don't know and I just I really tried to put myself in their shoes and think what did it take for them to get here yeah for sure for sure um so you talk about some of like these systems what are some of your systems like what does <laughs> that mean well you know like we have the people who what clean the bathrooms and do the mm-hmm. dusting okay the, so like each person has their our, own little yes, thing you better yeah. get all your school stuff out of here and in your room you know before six yeah. before the food know, comes or like stephanie Kling has like this is like the paper product oh drawer. yes okay we have the party drawer the party drawer. we call the party uh-huh. drawer mm-hmm. um which is, i have a party drawer okay love it well we have all of our yeah uh-huh. like paper goods and 
napkins and um this is funny too we we have all you know three daughters and they're all um beauty is important to them it's important mm-hmm. to me too mm-hmm. but not making things beautiful because right. it matters and we want to have a, a a warm hospitable um, presentation or atmosphere right. for people and so a lot of times when we order food you know the like silverware will come in little packets like mm-hmm. those plasticware will come in packets with these like pitiful excuses yeah, for napkins little, like, salt and the pepper. salt and pepper yeah and it's funny one of our daughters in particular natalie can like cannot handle that and so she <laughs> cuts the, this is pre-covid uh-huh. she would cut them all apart and like have all the she would group all the forks and group all the you know knives and group all the spoons and then that. she would get our napkins because they were thicker and nicer mm-hmm. and better you know just mm-hmm. chuck the others and, uh-huh. and it does i mean it did and I think that is a great example of like what you were talking about earlier, where there's hospitality and there's entertaining. And that doesn't mean things can't be beautiful. Right. It doesn't yes. mean you can't have a flower arrangement right. or a clean house or right. something. That's right. But there's like a difference in like, yes. I don't know, how would you? Well, she's that? not trying to impress anybody. Yes. But she's like, just trying to help them feel like they've come into our home and we want to yes. take care of them, provide for them. It's instead of like a, a me focus, it's a you focus. Mm-hmm. Like I'm yes. doing this for you. Right. Like I want you to feel yes. welcome, warm, yes. whatever. So we have started back our new Redeemer dinners. We started probably in, I don't know, what, September maybe? Yeah. Long was, September? I think it was like mid-September. Okay. And all the food down comes pre-packaged in boxes and yeah, poor Natalie was like, and I was like, it's okay. Let's for this season, just leave everything the way it is. So yeah. People feel comfortable. And, um, so she, she has, mm-hmm. but we're all looking forward to getting back to the way it was. Okay. So you mentioned, obviously you have kids in your home. Um, I can see so much good from, them seeing you guys do ministry together coming home and there being people in their house like there's so much good from them seeing you guys Mm -hmm. do that and even being a part of it themselves like natalie in the plastic wear Mm -hmm. um but i could also like feel this like oh maybe i need to shield my kids from things or i don't know like is is there a balance or like how have you guys weighed Mm -hmm. out like Mm -hmm. what they are aware of and what they aren't Mm mm-hmm for sure. I mean, I think our home has, it feels like our office, like we tag team a lot with maybe counseling or just pouring into people. And I mean, I would say some of our most fruitful ministry has happened on our front porch mm-hmm. um, with our couples on our couch. You know, it's that, and our children have been there. And Sometimes we'll do like when they're at school and we'll just tell the girls, hey, when you get home, someone might be here. So just get a snack and go on upstairs and, mm-hmm. and they will and they might stop by and say hello. And I think it's good for them to see that they'll ask us, is, can we stop and say hi or should we just go on mm-hmm. upstairs? And you know, we'll just let them know. I think I think it has been good for them to see what it looks like for us to model welcoming people into our home who are hurting. I think... You know, we we have people in our home during holidays, folks from church in the neighborhood who don't have a spot mm-hmm. to go to eat Thanksgiving or Christmas morning. They don't have a family. And so we've more Christmases than not have had people with in our pajamas yeah. watching our kids open presents. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of um, what our girls have grown up with. And I do think they love it. I think, again, I'm going to sort of give Joel credit here. If he were a different person in the pulpit than he was at home, 
if there was any kind of disconnect there between how he acted. I think our girls would rebel. Mm-hmm. And I think they would, there would be big problems. Mm-hmm. But I think because they see the consistency of who we are, wherever we are, and whoever we're with, I think that's kind of helped them, um, I don't know, just be able to handle the way we live and the yeah. way we do ministry all the time. And they've never said anything to us like wishing that it weren't that way. Mm-hmm. And if they ever did, of course, we would um, honor that. Yeah. But I think, I think they, I think they like it. And really it's what they've known. Yeah. I mean, when Georgia came home from the hospital to a church service, right. You know, like, I know. yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of what she's known, I guess. Yeah. But that's, like I said, I can see so much good in that. I'm like, building empathy well so i was just thinking of a story we one time in particular i think about a a really hurting person who was in our house on our on our sofa and um crying like had gone through you know boxes of kleenex it was just a really challenging time for her and i mean i was sitting on the sofa with with joe and i both were and just crying alongside of her and the girls came home from school and caroline and natalie they all came in they all saw what was happening and said hello and then natalie and Caroline, who are both very warm, loving children. They just yeah. kind of knew the drill. Like, this is, we're just going to go upstairs. Yeah. And Georgia, our youngest, who is just off the charts in empathy, I would say, she was headed toward the stairs. And then she came back and she just threw herself on this woman and just hugged her. And, you know, it was, I think it meant a lot to this woman. It certainly meant a lot to me. Yeah. Just to see, you know, Georgia didn't know what was going on. She didn't know um, what to say, but she knew she could hug her. And she knew yeah. it, it, a hug never hurts. It, Yeah. Gosh, so it's like so beautiful and can make me cry. I'm like, <laughs> like, that's wonderful. You know, and like, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, seeing hospitality as a means for care mm-hmm. for different circumstances. But you guys have also done hospitality as a means of evangelism like even in Mm -hmm. your advent gatherings and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and once again just not that you're doing it for kids because you're not but like what a like what a great picture like people who don't believe what we believe are welcome here well that's how that's how you get to know me is come to my house and see how I live Mm -hmm. and so and Mm -hmm. and Christ is central part of who I am and what I believe and how I live. So it just makes sense yeah, to have them over. And we've told our kids, they can have people over to our house anytime. They don't even have to ask our table. Like we will always. Mm-hmm. Have they ever taken you up on that? Oh yeah. They yeah. bring friends and that's great. And we, yeah. we also, we want to foster an environment where our kids feel free to always bring people home with them. Mm-hmm. And so they don't ever have to ask. And we love that. And there's always, I can always go to the deep freeze and pull out a frozen pizza if there's not enough food. But it's one of those systems you have. That's one of my systems. Yes, I do. I have freezer meals. Um, Yes. And, and, you know, I will say too, people, people don't really care what they eat when they come to your house. I mean, I think we like to have great food for people, but I think they would rather feel, um, you know, I have no problem with saying, all right, help, let's, let's all take turns you know doing the dishes or hey will you take out the trash or 
people love being given a role or a mm-hmm. job or it makes you feel more at home it does because that's what you treat them like family yeah and so like you in your like, own home yes, someone would right. ask you to help with dishes that's and right. so yeah makes you so feel like yeah i um i totally agree i i had uh like a mentor in college and i remember going over to her house and her like prepping supper and being like hey here's some knives i need you to chop up this mm-hmm. broccoli and yeah. it was like okay but like i loved it because right. yeah i felt like i was a part that's right um how how have you or have you like how do you um know when to say yes and when to say no Ooh, that's good that's a good question so a scripture that i've just lived by for years i'd say is psalm one two three psalm 123 there you go and it's um it's as the eyes of a servant look to the hand of his master, so our eyes look to the Lord. And basically every day I feel like I go to him for my, my marching orders for the day. And I um, I love plans. I love being organized. And that's really not <laughs> – doesn't feel like that's what God has promised for me or given <laughs> me even in this season. But every day I just start out saying what – I have a posture of just open hands. I'm just like, Lord mm. – what do you want for me today? And so I feel like when I'm faithful to maybe not have an agenda or not have a strict plan, um, I can be more open to what he wants me to do. And so that's kind of how I've been living my adult life, I guess. Um, and he, the best way, I, I know that sounds crazy, but the best way I can describe it is he sends people and things my way. Yeah. And I try to obey and yeah, do those things. Yeah, so that sounds weird, weird, but how how has that looked different like through the years? Because I'm thinking about you know right now your girls are in school, so things are a little different during the days. I'm sure your afternoons to dinner is like crazy, mm-hmm. um, whereas the days are a little more free. Mm-hmm. And then you know I have young kids, and so it's like the naps and the bedtime. Like mm-hmm. there are just some like standardized places in my day that I know my kids will be asleep here. Like, mm-hmm. this is a time I can give. Mm-hmm. Like, how has that looked different over the years? Like, working full time to young kids, to mm-hmm. kids in school. Like, how has that changed? Um, yeah, I mean, it's changed a ton. And I think, I think even coming to the realization that my time is not my own, my mm-hmm. life is not my own, it's a gift from the Lord. And that's, it's his and I want to live it for him. And I want to, um, I truly, I have, I guess I've lived long enough to learn, like, I don't want to do it if it's not what he's called me to do, even if it looks great on paper or sounds like the most fun. If that's not mm-hmm. what he's calling me to do, I just, I have no interest. I don't, I don't yeah. even want to do it. Um, as far as my time, I would say, well, like for right now, you know, the girls are in school. And so, yeah, I mean, if I, if someone reaches out and says, can we go for a walk or can you, do you have time? Then I always try to schedule it, obviously, while the kids are in school. And that's yeah. great. I, I guard, I mean, I have times that I guard. Um, the child, It's kind of funny, too. The children, when they're young, they're so physically demanding. <laughs> <laughs> and now I would say it's flip-flopped and they are emotionally, spiritually, I'd say, a little more demanding. I mean, they're girls and then they love to analyze you know, every friendship, mm-hmm. every conversation, every 
um, like all the relationships, all the relationships, and conversations. Yes. And, and what do you think about this? And and what's funny too is like I love to go to bed early and I love to get up early, um, which was really more on a baby schedule. Yeah. Fit and really well. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And they now like come alive after ten thirty, <laughs> and are ready to have these deep, meaningful conversations. And I'm, I'm having to hold my eyelids open. Yeah, you know. But um, I think too, you can't predict when great conversations or in times of um, intimacy with other people are going to happen. You know, I, I love time in the car with one child. That's just I think like the best conversations happen then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I never mind driving especially I, I never mind driving lots of kids some yeah. places but especially a one-on-one time I'm sure that's so hard to come by too it is and so a lot of times I'll say hey I'm headed to the store now picks Natalie Georgia you want to hop in with me you know and yeah I'm teaching Natalie how to drive right now so that's <sighs> that's a lot of good one-on-one time because nobody yes. else wants to ride with us. <laughs> but we do have to focus so we can't really have meaningful conversations because yes. we're trying to you're like look at to the road. Learn. don't yes. look at me yeah um I don't know. I think I asked that question because having young children, we've totally segued here, but having young children, I think it's easy to believe that like, oh, I'm just so busy right now. Like one day they won't be as physically demanding Mm -hmm. or one day like I'll have more time back. Mm. And I just don't know that that's true. Mm -hmm. Like anyone that I know who has children older than me, like it didn't just like slow down. It changed. No, it changes, but it doesn't slow down. Right. Yeah. And so like kind of that thought of like, oh, okay. well, maybe I can bring more people into my home or maybe I'll be more free. Right. Nope. Then no. it's like, no, probably not. No, you have to. No, definitely not. Um, one thing I'll say, this is not really on topic, but it just popped in my mind. The I think it's really important the way you engage with and treat your children when they're little. Mm-hmm. I remember reading something when the girls were little. I'm so grateful that I read it. And it said, how you treat your two-year-old and the way you talk to them and the way you spend time with them. And and they can sense if you want to be with them or if you're just Mm -hmm. annoyed with them. Mm -hmm. That's the way they'll treat you when they're a teenager. Oh, Lordy. (laughs) And I remember just thinking, oh, because, you know, you have a temptation, like when you get tired or when it's Mm -hmm. night, just to, I don't know. And I just always, this stuck with me. And so I was always asking the Lord to show me how to enjoy my children mm-hmm. at whatever age they were and to just really treat them with dignity and like the people and the children of God who they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not totally out of the teenage stage yet. But mm-hmm. I will say, I think that gave us a really sweet foundation relationally mm-hmm. that I think is definitely, it's still paying off. Totally. I, um, I actually wrote about this not too long ago, but one of the things that I heard said one time was like, your children are the closest neighbors you'll ever have. Mm. And Mm. I remember, I like remember where I was when I was listening to this and it just so struck me because like, if you had asked me who my neighbor is, like I would have, I would have been able to tell you, right? Like the people I live beside, the people I'm in community with, like everyone, you're all my neighbor, but I would not have said my children. Mm. And it struck me because I was like, oh my gosh, like love them Mm -hmm. as your neighbor. Mm. And it was just like this life. And I think in a way, like what you're describing is that I was like, would you ever speak to your neighbor the way that you spoke to your child? Exactly. You know, like give attention to Mm -hmm. your neighbor, Mm -hmm. like you give attention to your child, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And 
it's so it's hard because yeah you're tired or well and that's your your family sees your sees you at your oh for sure artist i will say grace upon grace yes and and asking i've i've thought the Lord showed me early on too to when I needed to ask them for forgiveness mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. and that wasn't a um I don't know sometimes you can think of a parent like you're the authority figure which we are I mean God has yeah. put us in like, authority don't show of our weakness. children don't yeah yeah and 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 you know it's and I think that has also helped our relationship my relationship with my girls when they when I've been able to say the way I said that to you was very unkind. I'm really mm-hmm. sorry. I hope that you'll forgive me. I still need Jesus to change my heart too. Mm-hmm. And we can move on. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's incredibly wise words for sure. I mean, it's with anyone, but yeah, it, for some reason it's like I can treat other people or use kind mm-hmm. words with other people mm-hmm. and not my own family. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, no, I love that. The bonkers. neighbors. That's a great, yeah. that's I know. A great thought. I know. I just, it, I, like I said, I remember where I was like on 31 driving when I was listening mm-hmm. to it. And I was like, oh man, Lord, you have pricked me. Mm-hmm. You have pricked me real good. good. Um, well, good. I think, you know, we totally got off hospitality, but I'm so thankful because I needed <laughs> to hear all these parenting things, especially after six months cooped up in a home with mm-hmm. my two kiddos. God love them. <laughs> um, but is I guess before we end, do you have any like resources or recommendations that you would point people to? Oh, like if growing totally. in hospitality um, is something they want to do, are there any books, resources, that kind of stuff? Yes, um, for sure. And I think we're all called to hospitality. Let me say that too. Like yeah. it's not, it's, it's, it doesn't mean you have to open up your home every week for new to redeemer dinners. I mean, I think it looks different for everybody. And like you said so. earlier, it doesn't necessarily even, if you don't have a home, to open them up like it can be an apartment yes. it can be going on walks coffee yes. dates yes it's just spending time with people and inviting them into your life mm-hmm. and um especially during this season where people are becoming so increasingly isolated like i just you know please pray i mean i'm praying too like lord show me who you want me to invite into my life and into my home and into my for walks and again he is faithful i every week he presents people for me to spend time with. I mean, I've never been at a loss mm-hmm. and it's not just you me. Probably I mean, never will. Everywhere. No. Yeah. And I'm, that's great. But okay. So some books that I would just totally recommend, um, the hidden art of homemaking, which has a funky title. So it's really not about homemaking, but it's, it's about living, um, artfully and intentionally with people by Edith Schaefer. That was, that was just a book that I read as a teenager and has just stuck with me. I tried to I try to reread it like every year. Wow. So good. Um, and then Andy Ashworth wrote several years ago a book called Real Life, Real Love, The Art and Work of Caring. And that has been so good. I would say it's even more of a contemporary version mm-hmm. of Edith Schaefer's book. Um, and it's just, again, it's one of those books I go back to year after year. And just and I feel like my role and my... Um, what God's calling me to does sort of change and morph as it does for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, as I, you know, I'm, I'm now in my mid forties and my children require, are requiring less from me. I'm sort of working myself out of a job there, but then like caring for my parents and in-laws, you know, as, as, as they age and what mm-hmm. that looks like. And, you know, hopefully before too much longer, we'll 
we do need some time to go by grandchildren. You know, I mean, yeah. like it's there's yeah. always someone, hopefully, a generation for me to be caring for, and then. Um, I just always, I always want to be on my radar. So that's a really great book. Um, and then one I've just recently, a good friend gave it to me for my birthday and I have loved it. It's called Placemaker, Cultivating Places of Comfort, Beauty, and Peace by Christy Purifoy. And that's just the idea of um, wherever you are, mm-hmm. whatever you have, you know, that being available to others. Anyway, it's just another great resource. Sweet. And of course, the gospel comes to the house key. Gospel comes. Oh, Rosaria Butterfield. That's, anything that's... Rosaria Butterfield because she's just like a hospitality like queen. Yes. But, but don't worry. You do not have to do it like yes, Rosaria. Yes, yes, yes. Rosaria has her calling. We were talking about this before yes. like recording. Like uh, We read that book for home group leader training. And every time I'm like, <laughs> I can't wait to see people's faces. Because yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, but I'm not sure that everyone should do it. So. I'm, I guess just, I'm just really thankful that we got to have this conversation. I'm thankful. Um, I'm thankful for the tangent. Like, I I think, um, I don't know, maybe the Lord just knew I needed to hear that today mm-hmm. about just kids and homemaking and kind words and all of that. But um, yeah, more than anything, mm-hmm. I'm just glad that we have you guys. Well, and, thank you. Um, obviously redeemer wouldn't really be here had it not been for you guys so and a whole host of other people for sure but it definitely started in your living room um well thanks here we are you and i'll be sit here and talk all day and you have asked great questions well thanks well thanks (laughs) um but no i i'm i'm just we're just thankful so thanks a lot for coming thanks Mm.